And his name is John Cena! Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. Hi, I'm Austin Sweebelman. Rain Conversi. And today, uh, if you could not tell from um, the uh, John Cena posting, we are talking about F9 for family. Woo! Family. Rain, rain. I need you to join my family. Family. Rain, do you know what a crew is? But I don't have a car. A crew is a family. (laughs) I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I don't have a license, Mr. Diesel. We'll get you one. Just drive. Drift this truck. Now watch this drive. Oh, man, I am so excited to talk about the newest entry into the Fast Saga. Uh, But before we get into this new shit, I would like to briefly touch upon our uh, previous experience with the franchise. And we'll start with you, Rain. Oh, okay. So let me tell you about the two greatest film experiences of my life. Um, The first one was when I saw... It was a double feature of it was a double feature of Stalker and King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. That was the that was one of my favorite movie watch uh, double features. The other one was my weekend long um, movie marathon of all of the uh, Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, those are just the two highlights. Two, two some of the biggest highlights of my life. Like man, these I didn't. This happened uh, my my uh, Fast and Furious binge. That was like I think early twenty nineteen. And it was with some buds. It was it was quite the adventure. I haven't seen any of the movies before that. I honestly just assumed they were like dumb bro movies. I don't know, just like really. I just assumed all of them were like um, the first two, where they're just like extremely like two thousand three, and they were just stuck in that year. But they somehow kept making more and making money somehow. But then what I really got was just like a magical odyssey of a strangely gradual uh, shift from like a ripoff of Point Break, but with cars to like a crime movie to a heist movie to a super spy movie and um, borderline superhero movie. And it really is just a wonderful thing. Fair movies, the seventh one, because that's the correct uh, answer. I guess important note is I have not seen um, Hobbs and Shaw, but I've seen every other movie. Um, my personal ranking, I guess if we're doing that, I can skip that if you want. No, I was saying boo at you not seeing Hobbs and Shaw, you nerd. Yeah, no, that movie didn't come out yet. That was the problem. So, two, which is bad. Um, four, which is boring. Uh, this is from worst to best. Two, bad. Four, boring. Um, one, which is kind of has like charm for how dated it is, but otherwise it's just kind of whatever. Three, and then eight, five, six, seven. I might have skipped one, but that's probably my order. And I'll I'll leave it to Austin now. All right, Austin, what's your experience with the Fast franchise? When I was younger, I was born in the far-off year of 1994, I associated Fast and the Furious as the franchise that made uh, nitrous oxide engines popular. That was what that movie meant to me, was a bunch of, like, kind of Gen X kids putting NOS in their fucking cars and an arcade machine that was at my local Red Robin. (laughs) (laughs) That was what I thought of the Need for Speed movies. Then uh, Fast Five came out, right? And there's there's plenty to say about Fast and the Furious 4. Did you know that that movie made more in its opening weekend than Tokyo Drift made in its entire domestic run? <laughs> I'm not at all surprised. But 
what what really just fucking cracked the earth open and shifted all the tectonic plates was Fast Five. That was the first time that in my lifetime I saw a shit shit series absolutely jump the shark in a good way. They have that phrase for like happy days reasons, but this was the time I saw somebody jump the fucking shark on purpose, and it completely a hundred percent worked. You see, this my relationship with the Fast and the Furious movies is. The two wolves meme personified. I'm a huge fan of art house cinema. I love the Holy Mountain. I freak out when a new Wes Anderson film comes out. I understood everything that happened in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy the first time I watched that movie. But Fast and the Furious is like my Star Wars. When I want to go out to the movies and dumb the fuck out and eat a huge thing of popcorn, okay? There's nowhere else I choose to go than the new Fast Saga movie. I fucking love this thing. The, the, the sheer purpose of its existence seems to just climb higher and higher and dumb the fuck out harder than they did three years ago or whenever the next one's coming out. I will always show up to these fucking things. Every time I work out at the gym, fucking Hobbs and Shaw's on at HBO, and that movie just makes me feel like I'm running through a field of people shooting at me, not giving a fuck. I am in Vin Diesel's These movies are so fucking good, and I love them. Something I want to say is um, something I love about this series is it feels like like how the Pokemon universe, like the entire economy and and all the uh, governments of the world, they all revolve around like Pokemon. The Fast and Furious world feels like that, but with cars. Like just everything is cars. (laughs) Family. Cars and family. (laughs) <laughs> a true story. Every time a character said family in this movie, I would point both arms up at the screen and go, ah! It's true, he did. He looked like he was doing a Hail Hydra the first couple times. I, I was kind of worried. <laughs> Rain was there. He saw me do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rain, I can top your best double feature. You ready for this? Yeah. In a single day, I saw Sorry to Bother You and then Mamma Mia 2. I saw I liked <laughs> Mamma Mia 2 more. <laughs> Yo, Tanner, you're not allowed to be a fucking socialist anymore. Get the fuck out. Mamma mia, here I go again. No, um, my history at the Fast and Furious franchise is I really didn't get into it around the time 7 came out. Because there were a couple people in my high school who were car people. They were obsessed with cars. And you might as well have said their idol was Paul Walker. And Paul Walker meant everything to them. So when Paul Walker died, I, 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 these guys are like... Hardcore, later became Trump supporters, right wing, sort of like a man's manly man, man, man. And I'm a man that does manly man, man things type of people. Like the people that is like just a Home Depot personified. Um, When they came to school that day, they were crying. These men never cry. And they were crying when they found out that Paul Walker died. So it kind of piked my interest. And I was like, "What's, what's going on here? So I watched the first movie and went, huh, that was Point Break, but with cars. I watched the second movie, and I went, huh, that feels like Tyrese's character was originally written to be Vin Diesel, but Vin Diesel didn't want to come back. And then I watched Tokyo Drift and went, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) Tokyo Drift just recontextualized everything to me. These aren't serious movies. This is trash house cinema, Mm -hmm. but it knows it, and I love it. DK. Exactly. Donkey Kong. Drift King. Yeah, there's something about, like, the beauty of it, how... Because normally I don't, I'm not a fan of, like... I love So Bad They're Good movies, but not when they're being intentional. But somehow this movie, these films, they get the right balance. Like, they have just the perfect spice. Sorry to interrupt you. I just, <laughs> well, you, 
I just that needed to be said. You and I were walking out of the theater of this one and said mm-hmm. we figured it out. It's the directors and writers are treating this goofy. The actors are taking it seriously, or at least everyone surrounding Vin's world is. Um, <laughs> yeah. They treat Vin Diesel thinks this is the Godfather and Godfather Part Two, all right? Vin Diesel thinks he's God's gift to cinema and that the Fast and Furious franchise are the most important movies ever made. And you know what? He's fucking right. Eat your heart out, Francis Ford, ass shittala. Vin Diesel's on the scene. All right. I watched four, five, six. I fell in love. I watched seven and I then became a grown ass man crying about Paul Walker's death. Wiz Khalifa said, I'll see you again. And I started sobbing. And then and then Vin Diesel said, you'll always be my brother. And God damn it. Fuck. He's doing it again. Oh. Need a counter for how many times this happens. <laughs> to Tanner Kreisker. Oh, it's just... It's hard to say how well done that tribute to Paul Walker was at the end of the Furious 7 with the montage of previous movies. I didn't grow up with those movies, but in that moment, I felt like I was raised on the Fast and Furious franchise. You could feel the love and outpouring of support and everything from everyone from the franchise and how much they missed their friend. And they've tried to do that two more times since then with uh, increasingly funny results. At the end of 8, where it's like, I have a son and you know what we're going to name him? Dolly on to the Vin Diesel, Brian. And everyone's like, hey! And in the theater, I'm thinking, isn't Paul Walker's character still alive in universe? This is just this weird thing where you name your son after your best friend. Is that what's going on? <laughs> and then in this movie, they're like, oh, there's an empty table. He's on his way, cuts to his car driving in. I even said the rain. I was like, they're going to keep milking this, aren't they? I don't know. I feel like it comes from a place of love. But yeah, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. They're goofy. They're stupid. And yet somehow they get Helen fucking Murin to be in these movies. Charlize Theron. Well, respected, highly regarded performers. And they're in these movies. (laughs) And you love it. I have loved the movies up until this point. Justin Lin has, of course, directed most of them. James Wan directed the best one. Uh, Scott, dude... Whoever the hell directed Fitzgerald? Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald directed Fate of the Furious. No, the straight out of Compton guy directed Fate of the Furious. I was just excited, you know, to see more because no matter what, they're fun. They give me the happy juice. They put a big smile on my face. And every time I walk out of the theater knowing I just had a great time uh, with the past eight slash nine movies, Hobbs and Shaw was a bit of a letdown. But I still had some fun with it. It's context. I was dealing with personal stuff at that time. Okay. You have to understand, that was like two weeks after left me. The Rock. Yeah, after The Rock left me. (laughs) (laughs) He he broke off our engagement, Dwayne The Rock Johnson did. So, Rain, I'm curious, what do you think of God? I love that we can just call it F9 and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Fast and the Furious. We don't need words. We don't even need more than two characters. F9, fuck you. You know what it is. Rain, what did you think of F9? I, you know, I saw it, I mean, when did we see it? Like over a week ago at this point? Uh, about 10, 10 days ago. Yeah, it's been 10 days and I'm still, still not 100% sure how I feel. Like, for okay, for stars, I, I did enjoy it a lot. I feel like my immediate thoughts, quick to the point, immediate thoughts are that like, it's probably the least good of the of the new movies since five. Like probably the weakest one for me personally. And I'm still trying to figure out why. I do enjoy it a lot, but um, I don't know. It's Well, I guess something I don't understand is everyone's saying this is like 
a lot of people who were kind of lukewarm on this one were saying, oh, they they went too silly this time. It was too ridiculous. And I can't say I agree at all. If anything, it was other than, um, you know, the big subplot of, oh, we got to go into space. It was pretty, this is probably the most subdued Fast and Furious movie in, um, like, compared to, like, Superman, Hobbs. Zombie cars. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, compared, yeah, and compared to zombie cars, compared to The Rock, um, punching a submarine or whatever uh, out of the way. <laughs> this is probably this is um I don't know I don't think being too silly was a, was a flaw with this movie. It was honestly maybe they were just they were trying too much. Uh, there were my, maybe too one too many attempts at just like straight drama that that just weren't melodramatic enough for me. And maybe that was why none of the drama went there went quite far enough. Like I thought there were just, uh, just too many flashbacks. Like there was more flashbacks of the rocks. Uh, I mean, of um, of the rock who wasn't of, in this movie. Um, <laughs> of what's his face? The um, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Who's, who's the villain? Who's the guy? John Cena. John Cena. I'm not. I can't remember names to save my life. Um, of John Cena. He's like his flashback characters in the movie more than him. It seems like, like his whole motivation. I just it wasn't dumb enough for me. Like, it was dumb, but it wasn't dumb enough. <laughs> and all the stuff with the dad, like, it was... It just wasn't bombastic enough for me. Maybe, I think that was why. And there just wasn't enough family. Like, I wish there would have just been more... There wasn't enough Han. That's the real reason. Everything else I said in the past, like, two minutes is a lie. There just wasn't enough Han. <laughs> more Han! <laughs> and, yeah, you know what? Speaking of family, we're all making these family memes and these family jokes, like we're some family guys. But of all the recent uh, Fast and Furious movies, this is probably the one, like, where they mentioned family the least, which is funny considering the whole um, marketing of the plot is a literal family member uh, returning from the past. So I think that's interesting. I think I had one other point, as I always do, that I have forgot, but it probably wasn't a big point. So who cares? No one cares. So much so that Austin now is going to talk. One, one thing I really like about my marriage is when we're at the movie theater watching trailers together, we do that little thing where we lean over and we're just like, that looks good. That looks whatever. And uh, since I've been married, every time a Fast and the Furious trailer for Hobbs and Shaw or F9 comes on, since the first one to lean over and is like, we're seeing that. That's, that's <laughs> how I know this shit's going to last forever, dudes. I thought that F9 was another, like, uh, glorious chapter in this sort of spiraling tribute to dumb action. This time, the central focus, like, the big through line of the plot was that Dom and Letty seemed to realize that they were in farm apparel in a distant farm. And really, what they needed all along was to be in city apparel in a suburban house. And seeing that plot just play out was, uh, <laughs> it was great. It was intense. Uh, the old Universal logo uh, in the beginning had me in fucking stitches for some reason. <laughs> we were so confused by that. Me and Tanner were like, wait, what? Why are they doing that? Yeah, I remember us both being like, huh? I thought we walked into the wrong movie. <laughs> it comes on and it's the 80s logo and I just started cracking the fuck up. I, I like I was so thoroughly confused and it felt it felt right. Another thing to mention that I liked about this film was... They shot on film for the flashbacks. I, I don't know if that's reserved for the trivia corner, but this has to be mentioned. They didn't just shoot on any film. They shot on high ISO grain film so that you mm -hmm. could see the film grains very distinctively because the new Star Wars movies are shot on film. They don't look like that. They don't look like this. 
Mm-hmm. So they they had to in broad daylight at this racetrack get like 1600 3200 ISO film and then put 50 ND filters in front of the cameras. Just imagine the meme of the guy with two <laughs> pairs of sunglasses on but way worse to get this high ISO film exposed right at this fucking no, racetrack. No, it's like that it's like that uh, bit in um I forget what Spy Kids it was where where what's his face has the glasses. <laughs> oh, the, 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 bu- 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 yeah. I think that's two. <laughs> Enhance. God, I was wondering that because I uh, I know the flashbacks were shot on film. I heard the whole movie was shot on film. I don't know if that's true. I just know for a fact the flashbacks were because they distinctly look like they're shot on film. We need a moment of acknowledgement for how, like, shockingly amazing Vin Diesel's flashback actor is at impersonating Vin Diesel. Can we all acknowledge that? <laughs> oh, you know, absolutely. We're going to get into that. One thing I liked about this movie was it followed screenwriting rules from another dimension. So uh, this movie introduces and settles conflicts at record speeds. So there's a scene where they're in the CIA bunker in the sewers and Dom looks at everybody and says, whatever Jacob is up to is mine to deal with alone. And then another person looks at him and says, Nah, it's on us. And there's a lot of scenes like that where apropos of nothing, a character will just be like, you know what? This is my journey. I've got to deal with this. And another character will be like, no. And that's the whole scene. <laughs> you know, I, I bet. Did you did you both know the word laconic is named after the Spartans? And I mm-hmm. bet money. If you go back and rewatch 300, they don't have shit on Dobbs crew. Dobbs crew gets the problem <laughs> so fucking fast. No, that's that's a <laughs> Also, dude, you and me, me and Tanner were talking about this in DMs. Justin Lin and Daniel Casey must feel so fucking good that they could have a movie where they they have a character in a past movie who 100% obviously physically fucking died. And then just a mo- couple movies later, they have a scene where somebody just says, yeah, our CIA cover-up guy had a way of making things look real. And then they never <laughs> touch on it again. <laughs> Like I was, we everyone was expecting a big. How did Han live? How did Han survive? And the movie's like, how did Han survive? Well, Han survived because Han survived. That's it. Just he lived. Not any elaborate. Like oh, we pulled him out. We had to clone him. We had to revive him. No, just like yeah, we faked it. We faked his death. Mister Nobody's really good at making me look dead in that other movie. I hope you guys know that in the next movie, they're going to be like, Mr. Nobody, we thought you died in that plane crash. And he went, I was never on a plane. <laughs> I've got, I've got that one, was one of my clones. One last thing, and then my fucking monologue is over. So since Hobson Shaw introduced uh, Brixton, a.k.a. Black Superman, a.k.a. Idris Elba, it seems like they're doing this wonderful buildup to revealing that superhero shit. These people might be more than human. And I've got to say, Zack Snyder, Fucking take note. If you want to get postmodern on a big budget, these movies, Fast 9, that is exactly how seriously you have to take shit. Okay? I like the movie. When will Zack Snyder direct Fast and Furious? Maybe that uh, Cypher spinoff with Charlize Theron I heard about in the papers recently. Zack Snyder should direct that. I declare it to be so. What did I think of F9? I lean more towards Rain's opinion. I think this is the second weakest movie since F5. I like it more than Fate of the Furious. With a few exceptions, there are highs in this movie. 
you have to understand when I watched the Fast and Furious, Rain told me after he watched the locked out of the theater that this is the first time he saw a Fast and Furious movie sober. Mm-hmm. And to me, I can't imagine walking this with your mind altered. These movies are drugs. <laughs> you want to know how I get high? I watch the Fast and Furious franchise. It's better than cocaine. Nothing can fucking compare to driving through multiple buildings in Saudi Arabia, skydiving zombie cars, punching a fucking submarine, taking a Pontiac Ferrero into space. All right? Those, that is drugs. That is cocaine, heroin, cocaine, meth, all of it. It's true. <laughs> Just went on solo. It, it's yeah. true. All of it. Okay, these movies are my drugs. Y- y- you understand me? These movies are drugs to me. So you have to understand, I take the action set pieces. Those are drugs. When they try to go serious Godfather shit, those are drugs to me too. I love, I love how the back premise of the movie, the like the, the central theme, the flashbacks with the, you know, their dad died. John Cena's character apparently had something to do with it. And then, and then Vin Diesel's character beats that guy to near death. That's based off of a single line of dialogue from the first movie. When Vin Diesel offhandedly mentions something like, oh, I went to prison because I beat this guy with a, like this tool. That's what happens in those flashbacks. It gives context to why Vin Diesel's characters oh. went to prison before the first movie. Wow. They invented an entire backstory conflict based off of a single fucking line of dialogue from the first movie of the franchise. Masterstroke. Wow. Holy Cinema. Fuck. Holy fuck. This is cinema, all right? And the fact that, you know, they got Vin Diesel's fucking clone to play him in the flashbacks I thought was pretty impressive. And, you know, they got this guy that's never seen John Cena before in his life to play John Cena in the flashbacks. God, where do I start? Uh, They finally went to space. They fucking did it. They went to space. They brought back the Tokyo Drift crew. They brought back Bow Wow. Remember when you guys first watched Tokyo Drift and you think, wow, the Tokyo Drift crew, they don't really have a lot of chemistry and they're real awkward with each other. You think 15 years later, Justin Lin would be like, all right, all right, we know how to fix this. No, they're just as awkward as each other. I'm still not convinced that the main Tokyo Drift guy. No one knows. I don't know that actor. No one knows his name. I know. I want to say Louis Black, but I think that's a different purpose. That's like a comedian. comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that plays anger and inside out. (laughs) Lucas Black. I think his name's Lucas Black. Lucas Black and Bow Wow, I'm still not convinced they didn't just meet the day of shooting, even though I know they shot a movie together 15 years ago. It still feels like they met day of. All right. I don't care. Cars in space. Sure. And I love how when they finally go to space, they don't, like, go over the top of it. They're like, we have to treat space as it is. We have to go slow. And that made me love it more. I love that they weren't, like, doing warp speed because we got to save that for later when they travel through time. Because they're going to fucking time travel. I guarantee you. Why do you think they hired that young Vin? They're going to use him again. I guarantee you. I guarantee you the next movie will have time travel. You know it to be true. Tyrese's whole thing about, like, maybe we are invincible. And, like, I love how Tyrese is the only one being like, yo, how the fuck are we not dead? Like, I he was surrounded by 20 guys with machine guns. Let me finish my rant. Okay. 20 guys with machine guns. And he just goes, bah, 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 bah. I don't even think he fired 20 bullets, but he still killed everyone. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. I love F9, all right? These movies are drugs. It's a high. That scene, that weird flashback scene after Vin Diesel manages to collapse a building with his bare hands and then he falls into the water. Oh, uh, that weird flashback scene. I thought I thought I was high. I thought someone slipped the drink I didn't drink. 
I thought I was on drugs. I was losing my fucking mind thinking, holy shit, what is going on? What the fuck is happening right now? It was goddamn incredible. It was cinema at its finest. Ryan, what did you want to say? I just wanted to mention that I loved how um, whenever Tyrese was talking about how they might be invincible um, and how, like, you know, we've never actually been hurt ever once in any of these situations. The only thing I could think of was that scene in Unbreakable with uh, Bruce Willis where he's talking to like his son or his wife and he's like you know I don't think I've ever been sick in my life I don't think I've ever been hurt like just like that was the first thing I thought of bring um, M. Night in we'll need to bring M. Night in for the next Fast and Furious movie <laughs> crossed it over with the French so okay here's my new theory you just gave me a theory Unbreakable Split Glass prequel to the Fast and Furious universe prove me wrong anyway um, it all it's all connected baby these movies are are fine glasses of wine and also the trashiest moonshine you ever butt chugged, right? This is high art and low trash. It is everything in one. F9 is a masterpiece like the entire Fast and Furious saga is. The only thing this was missing was a line like, I'm black Superman. Just something so stupid and self-aware. It was missing something like that. Uh, I do think at times the movie felt like an imitation of the previous entries. I think that's because for the first time ever, they didn't have uh, what's his name writing these movies, the same guy that's written them since like Tokyo Drift. Yeah, uh, these movies are high art. They're cinema. They're everything you want from your dumb, goofy action franchise. I fucking love, love these movies. And I thought this one was just great. It was awesome. I had a great time with it. Even though I felt it was a little weaker at points, like at that point, doesn't matter. You don't rank the Fast and Furious movies on the same metrics metrics you rank other movies. These exist in their own quantity of space time. All right. These exist in a different universe from our own. <laughs> People that don't like these movies, I straight up think I, I don't trust them. They're probably criminals. Yeah. All right. If you say you don't like Fast and Furious, I don't trust you. I think you're a bad person and you're probably a Nazi. That is my I opinion. Don't want, I don't want them as my neighbors. Not in my backyard. People that don't like Fast and Furious movies should be on the sex predator list as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> That's easily worse than pissing in public. I want to ask you, too, a question about a specific scene. Hmm? So, uh, little dictator boy, John Cena's partner, right? Albert, or whatever the fuck his mm-hmm. name is. Um, there's a point where he's talking to Charlize Theron in her prison of Quasar Lights. Are oh, we um, talking about the Star Wars metaphors? Yes, we're talking about the Star Wars metaphors, baby. <laughs> Ray and I kept looking at each other during that scene like, what is yeah. happening right now? What is happening? We thought it was just going to be a Yoda joke, but then it kept piling on. That was the one scene I, I just can't defend. I can't. I don't know what to feel about it. No, that gave me the biggest high. I thought it was stupid at first, like not even funny stupid, but then like it just, they kept going. It got so far. It rolls back over. Yeah. It's like the Simpsons joke with the rake, I think is it, where they they step on the rake 13 times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, that scene was like, you know how you usually snort cocaine? This is like if I melted the cocaine and then injected it straight into my veins. That's what that scene was. I don't know how drugs work. That's a, um, that was my first band in high school, Injectable Cocaine. We played it yes. All right. Uh, this next question may be brief, if at least our pre-talks are any indication, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Rain, what did you think of John Cena as a villain? Gotta say, I was, pre- was kind of disappointed. Like, when I saw the trailers for it, and I was like, oh, he's a perfect fit for, like, a Fast and Furious movie. This man, like, he gets, he has, like, a good stage presence, at least in the stuff I've seen. And he has a good state, you know, and Fred, Fred too, that sort of thing. Dad, what are you doing? 
Gonna eat some sandwiches. <laughs> but um, no, he has a good stage presence. Um, arguably, he goes too far with it, but like he has a self aware like he understands he's kind of a meme. And as long as like he keeps that under control enough, he, I could see how he would have been a good fit for one of these movies. But like, it's not really his fault. It's just it's like almost entirely just like how his character was written. I don't know. He just didn't have much to work on. It was just kind of too. He was kind of the, one of the worst things, I guess, a Fast and Furious movie could be. It was just too. He was just too. The one note, just kind of okay, kind of a flat line. As an action presence, he was kind of fun. I gotta say. I would have been fine if they just never addressed how um, him and The Rock, I mean, him and Vin Diesel don't look similar. I would have even been fine. They could have just been half brothers. Like, just that's the two word thing to explain it all it would make sense. Oh, they're both chunky guys. They got that from their dad or whatever, and they got, you know, the different stuff from the mom. But then Charlie Theron had to go along and, like, have some weird bit about. Um, oh, the weird Nordic bloodline? Nordic thing? bloodlines. <laughs> Charlie's there and Browse's pole. The, the, <laughs> the famous Toretto mixed bloodline or something like that is what she said. Just making it infamously or infinitely too weird. I'm optimistic he could be better um, when they bring him back in, um, inevitably for the sequel. Oh, you know they will, baby. Yeah. So so that's so that's my thoughts on that. Austin, what do you think of Cena as a villain? Uh, Jacob with a K uh, is absolutely not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But the uh, geniuses making this know that. So they mm. sort of covered for all of this by making him Vin Diesel's brother, by making him a Toretto. And now that audiences know that he's a Toretto, uh, all they're conditioned to want from him is sort of stoic action presence. Because you see, I read a tweet once. All Toretto's know how to do is fix car, assemble crew, beat ass, save family, use NOS, drink Corona light and not die. Uh, Jacob is a villain. Also, he got the glamour treatment. Like, John Cena Mm -hmm. doesn't know how fucking good he has it. He gets to be the villain, and then he gets to be family by the end of the movie. You know? I I think it was, for me, if we're, we're, like, getting out of the cocaine phase, I thought it was more interesting when John Cena was just a cold-blooded killer in the beginning of the movie, and you Mm -hmm. assume that he just killed his dad like that was so much weirder and i didn't know where the movie was going but now you know analyzing it afterwards because let's face it when you're watching a fast and the furious movie maybe i turn my brain off too much because going back over what we were presented the reveal uh at the end of the movie when him and vin diesel decide to become family again it was there the whole time it it was obvious that he wasn't Mm -hmm. just some pissed off child who fucking murdered his dad I thought he did okay. I thought the master stroke was making him a Toretto. And I hope over the course of the movies, now that he's family, he could get a chance to have more of that uh, classic John Cena presence, maybe go invisible. I think what it is is that the role just doesn't play to um, John Cena's strengths as an actor, I think. I think that's my problem with it. It's just something I realized as I was listening to you. So I was agreeing with Rain up until like two days ago and I completely talked myself into this. Uh, John Mm -hmm. Cena is the best villain in the Fast and Furious franchise aside from Dwayne Johnson. All right? No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. He is no Jason Statham. You're wrong. No, no, he's he's better than Jason Statham. Jason Jason Statham. Jason Statham's gay. That's why I don't like him now. (laughs) No, Jason Statham, (laughs) let this be known, has unironically the best villain opening in any movie 
Like any movie, yes. the best villain. The hospital scene is incredible. But yes. hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's because they are brothers that he is the best villain ever. Here's why. Here's why. The Nordic bloodline thing is fucking weird. But the scene where Helen Mirren comments like, oh, of course you two are related. You have similar chins. Masterstroke. Because you know what? If I wanted to try and find a way that Vin Diesel and John Cena look similar, the last thing I would pick is their chins. They have completely opposite looking chins. These movies don't give a fuck. They don't give a shit. They don't care. And I love it. It's drugs. It's drugs. You understand? It's cocaine. No, it's heroin. It, it's heroin. It just puts me into pure ecstasy where I don't think. Okay? Making John Cena the, the villain and the brother is a masterstroke because then he gets to become the hero by the end. And also, like, giving him a weird, like, oh, King's son shit as a sidekick. That ruled. I think my favorite, oh, God, my favorite scene. In the entire movie, might have been when John Cena basically, or Vin Diesel goes to him in London and he's like, family, gun. <laughs> and Cena's like, family, gun, I was in Bumblebee. And, you know, <laughs> and then as soon as Vin Diesel pulls out the gun, his sidekick shows up and it's like, uh, technically this is an embassy. And I went, what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and he gets arrested by Interpol and I'm like, oh, how's Vin going to get himself out of this one? And then Rain can confirm what I'm about to tell you. The best scene in the movie happens. Maybe the greatest scene in the history of cinema. Oh, God. When the Interpol people remove their backs to reveal it's Cardi B and a barrage of beautiful women. And I shit you not. I, I had this face on the entire time. <laughs> Couldn't understand anything she was saying. Did I not, Rain? Oh, I was, here's the thing. I could not, I agree. I'm on the same page with Frank. Could not understand a goddamn word of what was going on. Couldn't understand a lick that was coming out of her mouth. I couldn't tell if it's just because Cardi has a thick accent and I, I have trouble reading mm-hmm. through it sometimes. Or if I was just so dumbfounded that she was there that I couldn't think. I choose to believe she was playing herself. I choose to believe that she's just Cardi B and Vin's like, and Vin, the movie explains it as Vin's just like, oh, this is an old friend from back in the day. And I'm just like, I choose to believe that Vin Diesel was there when Cardi B was born. This is what I choose to believe. <laughs> Vin was there. Vin delivered the baby. Okay. This is my head cannon. Vin <laughs> delivered Cardi B. All right. Vin was the presenting doctor. All right. Does it make sense? No, but it makes more sense than anything else. Why was Cardi B there? I, that's the scene I can't get out of my head. More than any action set piece. More than any family, even more than the weird hallucinogenic flashback scene, Cardi B showing up for a solid minute was cinema. I w- I just, God. Yeah. Otherwise, I think John Cena is a fine enough villain. I think he's way better as a villain in Bumblebee, and I think Reigns right that they don't yes. play to his strengths enough. But again, I just can't get over Helen Mirren being like, "You guys have similar chins." They don't. <laughs> they don't at all. Why did you say that? <laughs> God. Tanner, what do you think of John Cena? Tanner, I love Cardi B. <laughs> Listen, I just, I, I went on a tangent there because I, I I thought of that scene where they're just in the embassy. God. Oh, sorry, I just, I genuinely thought I was about to die. We'll move on to our next and final question before Trivia Corner. I'm just curious as to what your guys' is, uh, favorite set piece in the movie is whether it's an action set piece or maybe just a specific moment that's not necessarily action-y maybe it's just the mm-hmm. what's the Steve Jobs dialogue scene equivalent to you in this movie right I'll start with you 
you know, again, I enjoyed this movie, I thought, but I thought it was one of the weaker Fast and Furious movies, or at least one of the more middling ones. I got to say, like, one of my favorite action uh, set pieces in, like, the whole series is that has to be, like, all the scenes involving, and that's, I guess will be the first scene that's introduced as, lo- as well as the big final uh, chase. Uh, everything with the magnets, I thought that was just, like, really, just a really fun, clever um, uh, set piece. The way they're able to just, like, constantly shift back and forth between having things magnetized, um, like, weapons and whatnot, and the characters having to, like, um, strategically uh, turn it on and off. I thought that um, added a lot to the scenes, to the fights. Uh, To compound that with the first scene, the fact that the truck that um, Tyrese and and, and Ludacris are in is being driven by someone who's never driven a car before. I feel like that's just a hilarious thing. It's just, like, a no-brainer for the series. I can't believe they've done that. They haven't done that yet. Having someone who can't drive um, have to drive, you know, they immediately they do kind of mess up because no one who's never driven a car before would be able to drive a, shti- a stick shift that well. Like that, that was that, that was a, that was. Um, we, we we established this rain. Stick shifts work differently in the Fast and Furious universe. You know how stick shifts work in the Fast and Furious universe? Change gears, go faster. It doesn't even matter if you're going to gear zero or gear like 22. Change gear, go fast. How does it go? Water, mm-hmm. wind, fire, dirt, fucking magnets, man. How do they work? I fully expect the insane clown pasta to become the family by the next movie. Austin, what is your favorite set piece moment in the movie? Whatever. <laughs> it's impossibly fucking hard to choose because there are two set pieces where the people go into hyperdrive and they ascend out of their bodies. Uh, there's the scene with the uh, rope bridge from the trailer where Dom rides what's left of a rope bridge to jump between countries <laughs> to escape the jurisdiction of the military. He uses what's <laughs> left of a rope bridge. And then uh, there's the other one where you get like the Guyon Billford, uh, Bernard Harris Jr. treatment at the end when it's black dudes in space. That was so cool, just watching two dudes going up into space. It was like everything I wanted out of Gravity, you know? Sandra Bullock fucked up doing the blind side, so this is the reaction to that, you know? Instead of that, that dumbass Karen, this was it was two dudes in fucking space. Also, I thought it was a rumor that they went to space, so seeing them actually go into space was great. And then one last... Honorable mention, there was a scene where Dom tackles Jacob off of a zip line, and then they proceed to have the most like high budget WWE fight ever, where everything that they touch or get tackled through explodes. Like suddenly the movie switches to Terminator rules. Where <laughs> it's just that they're fucking just like going through a beam mm-hmm. in the ceiling and just fucking boom, like like nothing is safe, everything's exploding. It was so good. And then the the best line in the movie uh, is when that one guy's ass is in fuego. I know they use that for the trailer, but in the actual movie, it's just so fucking good. Those are all good ones. For me, it's a, a weird three-way tie. I just want to mention them all. I think my absolute favorite is when they go to space, only because Ludacris and Tyrese. I love the chemistry those two guys have. I think they are more the comedic heart of the movie. I think they're funny as hell. And just every line of them in space is pure gold. When they actually go into space and they're in zero G and there's just a bunch of fucking candy wrappers and Ludacris won't stop roasting the guy. <laughs> I love how the International Space Station saves them, even though, uh, fun fact, guys, the International Space System doesn't have, like, hatches like that. I don't understand how they could have gotten inside, but whatever. It doesn't matter. It's funny. 
Did you look that up for this pod? No, I just know that because I'm a space nerd. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just know that that's not how the International Space Station works. Um, but I don't care because it's amazing. And they were you up there? Have Have you been up there, Tanner? Uh, yes. Have you been up there, Tanner? Yes. Oh, never mind. You were there with me, Rain. Tanner is the only surviving member of the <laughs> Challenger mission. Yeah, I was a baby. Anyway, um, I also love the specifically the first scene of the Magnets with girl who can't car drive, and yet she knows how to operate a stick shift perfectly, like Rain said, and also drift a fucking, what was that, a 10-wheeler, tw- a big-ass truck, somehow know how to drift yeah. a gigantic truck, I thought was incredible. All the property damage, all these people's lives ruined, countless cars made useless. I love that. I don't give a shit about those people. Their cars are nice. Therefore, they are rich. Therefore, they are bad. It's like me when I'm a PA. <laughs> you have a magnet? Yes. That's, yeah, exactly. Um, I also love, in terms of pure action scene, I love the scene of Michelle Rodriguez and Mia Brewster in Japan where they like go to where Han's daughter's apartment thing is and Han's weird daughter just shows up. By the way, the MacGuffin is not even, is like arguably a person in this one. It's just this girl that Han's been taking care of. How do we yeah. not bring that up? I shit you not, I've watched this movie twice, right? I watched it in the theater once and I later, right? I shit you not, I don't understand what the yeah. weapon does. I still do not understand what it does. Project Ares? None of it may... It just hacks yeah, stuff. It just hacks stuff. It, just it takes over them. everything with code and lets you uh, tar- lets you target the, the missile system at anything. Yeah, I, I, it's just amazing. That's another thing I don't like about this movie. It's just it's too, the whole thing. It's not stupid. It's not zombie cars. It's just they hack everything. No, I love it, though. I love it, though, either way. But I love the actual action scene because uh, for some reason, inexplicably out of nowhere, yeah, Mia Brewster is just in this one. And also she's actually participating in the action, which who girl power. Um, even though it was kind of random. I remember Rain and I remarked on that afterwards, how funny it is that Paul Walker's character is just the babysitter. If Paul Walker was still alive, there'd be a really awesome spinoff movie that's just the him and the adventures of babysitting, and it's a shame we'll never see that. It'll be like The Pacifier with Vin Diesel, except the roles are switched. Exactly. Um, those are all the ones worth mentioning to me. Uh, I want to give one last special shout-out before we get into the trivia section of this movie. Shout-out to the producers of this movie for being smart enough to remove Scott Eastwood from the franchise. They don't even acknowledge that he's not here anymore. Just, yeah, nope, he's gone. That was a mistake. Sorry, guys. Do you Love that. Do you both remember when they were trying to take down the Giga Truck, the, tr- the elephant from Halo, and they used the magnets to try to tip it? They pelted that thing with washing machines and then mopeds, and then a whole fruit stand. <laughs> oh, wait, one last thing. I love it when Vin Diesel just, like, he's able to break it at the right time, so when it rolls down the mountain, he can drive it again? What was that? Oh, I don't understand that. It was incredible. They do the thing from Inception, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt is running around the hotel as the van is t- tumbling, except it's Vin Diesel in- inside the elephant from Halo. It's just tumbling, and he's just, like, trying to run to the driver's seat. All right, guys, are you ready for, um... Tanner's Trivia Corner. Tanner's Trivia Corner. You guys ready? Yeah. I am now. Here's some uh, fun uh, trivia for you. This is the I, I mentioned on this earlier, this is the first film since Too Fast, Too Furious to not be co-written by Chris Morgan. This is the first film in the franchise since the second one. Mm-hmm. Red Digital Cinema paid heavy product placement for their Hydrogen One smartphones in the in the movie, right? They paid a lot of money for that product placement. However, 
poor sales of that smartphone caused the company to discontinue it and completely exit the smartphone business in November of 2019. Whoa. Way before it was actually originally supposed to come out. Well over a year after the phone was discontinued, the movie finally comes out. And I think that's funny that the characters are using phones that aren't being used. (laughs) At 145 minutes, this marks the longest Fast and Furious film in the franchise. The previous record was 137 minutes, both held by Furious 7 and Hobbs and Shaw. So here's a fun fact for you that I didn't notice until I watched it the second time. So the pit crew, remember in the opening race sequence how there's a pit crew and Michael Rooker's there? By the way, I forgot to mention this, that Michael Rooker's in this movie, and that's kind of random and cool. In that movie, uh, sports writer and podcaster Bill fucking Simmons is there. He just inexplicably has a cameo in this movie as one of the pit crew members. I'm a big sports nerd, and I love his podcast. And when I was watching it the second time, I dead-ass paused and stared at it for 10 minutes. I'm just thinking, is that... Is that Bill fucking Sim? I kept Googling photos, trying to compare back and forth to see if it was him. And yeah, no, it's Bill Simmons. He's just in this movie. Um, I love that. That's amazing. The car that quote unquote uh, Brian, a.k.a. Paul Walker's character is uh, driving at the end, the quote unquote car that he's driving is not a car that his character ever owned. It's just the car that Paul Walker owned in real life. And the final fun fact is that, of course, Han returns, right? Han's back. We love Han. Han's great. In Fast Five, they revealed that the character's name was, quote-unquote, Han Solo. Shit you not. Uh, But Justin Lin confirmed in the marketing for this movie is that his character's real name is Han Lu. Han Lu originally appeared, played by Sung Kung in Justin Lin's, or Sung Kang, in Justin Lin's feature debut, Better Luck Tomorrow, Justin Lin confirmed recently that Better Luck Tomorrow is, in fact, a prequel to the Fast and Furious franchise because of the Han connection. So if you want to if you want the full Fast and Furious experience, watch Better Luck Tomorrow. Rumors about us came and went fast and furious. Wow, dude, I can't wait until you direct a Marvel movie and make Diagnosis part of the MCU. (laughs) Oh, that's happening, baby. I'm going to find a way to make every movie I've made connect into the universe. I don't like I'll say some dumb shit like the snap gave everyone autism. I don't know. That'll work. Anyway, any final thoughts on F9, Rain? Good time. Yeah. No, that's a Robert Pattinson movie. I I asked about F9. I, I I really every I've said everything I gotta say. Um, it's good fun. It's I th- I really think you you said it best when you you said it's like a mix between fine wine and moonshine. I really don't think there's a better <laughs> analogy than these Fast and Furious movies. These, <laughs> All right, Austin, uh, you're next. I'm gonna continue Rain's thing of bringing up Tanner quotes from the week. Uh, you you described the Tokyo Drift crew, their chemistry is something like a high school prom where all the kids are awkwardly trying to hang out. <laughs> I forgot I said <laughs> God, I should have said that today. Something, oh, well. Something about these movies. They make everything better. They make hip hop better. They make cars cooler. They make smartphones no one's going to use cooler. I'm so excited (laughs) that into the future, everything in the real world's just going to get shittier over time, except for these movies. I can't wait until the next movie when there's fucking time travel. These things, to quote the uh, Kids See Ghosts song from the trailer, 
I can still feel the love. Family. <laughs> uh, my thoughts on F9 is that it's a lot of fun. It's one of the weaker entries in the franchise, but again, trying to rank these on any normal... These movies don't operate in the, the normal form of space-time that every other movie exists in. There's a different set of rules for these movies that I cannot explain for the life of me. I hope they cross over the Jurassic Park franchise and uh, Transformers. I, I hope it crosses over with everything. I'd be okay with that. I, I love these movies. They're a lot of fun. You can't have a better time in the theater, and it's you can't have a better time with a Fast and Furious family. And speaking of family, you are now my family. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you're listening to any of the audio platforms we're on, make sure you leave a review because it helps boost us in the algorithm. And if you are watching this podcast on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. Comment below and let us know, what do you think of F9? Do you want us to cover the rest of the Fast and Furious movies in the franchise? How similar do you think John Cena and Vin Diesel look alike? Comment below and let us know. And while you're down there, go ahead and hit that like button so we know how much you like us. Hit that subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Thank you very much for watching. Make sure you tune in next week when we cover Black Widow. And I will see you next time. Peace, bitches. <laughs>